right, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randak. Welcome back, fellow bozos. It's been a while, but hopefully we'll be around a little bit more often in the coming months. Um, I want to uh, welcome all the bozo listeners out there and uh, hope you had a good holiday so far. We are uh, got... New Year's coming up, and uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions today, but partly as a side note, because really uh, today's about uh, the man that sits across from me here, uh, my friend, my colleague, no. <laughs> anyway, Joaquin, it's so good to have you here on the program. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be here. Um, one of the things that, uh, and I've wanted to have you on for a while, it just things had, you know, I had my health issues, so it became difficult to kind of put this into place, but this has kind of worked out, and I really appreciate you, you coming on today and uh, having this be sort of a welcome back to get people to share their stories, which is what we're about here, you know. We want to know why and how we became just another bozo on the bus, and of course we talk a lot about recovering addiction, but we're a lot more than that. We're really about the human story here. So, if you are ready and willing, what I, makes you I think another? I might be both. <laughs> <laughs> ready and willing? Joaquin, what makes you another bozo on the bus? Oh. Um... It's taken me a while to get to that place where I could accept my my full bozoness. Um, I it's it's a dramatic pause so for, <laughs> for effect. Um, you know, I, I, when when you ask that question, um, I've always felt. So, you know, you hear this classically with people with addiction, et cetera. Uh, you know, I felt different. I felt separate. I don't know that I always felt different or separate, but I certainly separated myself. I had this need to always separate myself from others, whether that to be above or to be below. Mm -hmm. I never could be right just with everyone. Um, <clears throat> be part of something. Yeah. You had to be your own own person. Yeah, I had to be special somehow. I needed to be special. Um, and, uh, it, you know, just this last year, um, and, and really I, I had, I, I was coming back from some really good bozoness, just, you know, I'd never experienced homelessness before and I experienced this for the first time in my life. And, uh, just this past year. Yeah, it was just this past year. That was your first experience. Yeah. That. Okay. With with true like I have nowhere to go. I think I'd flirted with it before and maybe even experienced it, but you know, I like to disqualify myself from things. So if I, you know, if it, if somehow I was on someone's couch, then that didn't qualify. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I knew where I was going to be that night necessarily. Right. So yeah. that that's different. If if I know where I'm going to be for maybe the next night or two, that's not official homelessness. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't know what the mm -hmm. official definition yeah. is, but I'm yeah. sure I found ways to disqualify myself okay. from it. All right. But it's something I always feared, and uh, I was coming back from that, and I was just in a place of finally kind of just being beaten, absolutely defeated, and uh, I'm sitting in this uh, room. And uh, with other, you know, addicts, and it's a twelve-step meeting, and this guy gets up, um, 
And he's talking about, he says, I'm 38 years old. I'm two and a half years clean and sober. He's like sharing about his experience growing up. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in Miami. I, this is for me. I, I, I went to college. I, you know, I, I experienced certain, what I would think were successes in my life and certainly many failures. Uh, but he gets up there and, and he's sharing, he's like, I'm two and a half years clean and sober. And, um, I just got my first car. It was like, it's actually registered to me. He, this guy had never had his own car. He p- stolen plenty of cars, but never his <laughs> own car before, right? He never actually owned his own, own car. Own vehicle. Or yeah. one that he had paid for. Yeah. He's like, I just got a bank account. Not a real bank account, because they didn't trust me with a real checking account, just the savings account style. And, uh, and you know, he just he'd run drugs and done all kinds of, you know, criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. The majority is of of his young life and adult life, um, and I'm sitting there in the corner of the room, and for the first time in my life, I realize I'm just like this guy. We're no di- our backgrounds are drastically different, mm-hmm. but we're exactly the same. I'm no different. We, you know, in the simplest form, you know, we suffer from the same malady, uh, if you will, but. But we're the same. I'm just another human being trying to get through life without getting my ass kicked one, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, right. I get you. I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. So I, you so you felt the this sort of connection. The Not connection. Sorry, you felt the connection with this person, even though they had a different story than yours was. Yeah, and I'd always there's similarities, that come, but I'd always come through. separate myself in some way or another mentally, and that was a, the feeling that finally came across as. Put me next to any human being on the face of this earth, and I'm, I'm actually the same. We may have different backgrounds, different struggles, uh, different things like that. Um, well, then that's one of the things that we, I think, one of the uh, points of this podcast, if there can be such a thing as a point, a lot, you know, I mean... We we want to understand those things that draw. We have more things in common than we have differences generally in life. We often focus on the differences, but there are those moments when we can kind of we, especially if we're just with one on one with somebody too, or if we're listening to somebody speak and tell their story, whatever that story is about, whatever trials or tribulations they've been through, whatever hardship or heartache they've had, we can somehow relate to that. You know, those neurons kick in in our brain and we go, I get that. I understand that. I know what it's like to feel that. Yeah, it's yeah. the feeling. It comes down to the feeling less less so than the action or the exact experience. Those are these things for me to pick apart and and find the differences in. Yeah. Um, but the feelings are the same, uh, I think, for everybody. And it took me a long time to get there. And obviously, I needed, you know, I, I'm... You know, I, w- I could label my, I would label myself, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, whatever you want to call it, whatever language you want to use. Um, and, and, oh man, I, I, I almost struggle to say this because in years past I was like, oh, how can you be grateful for that? <laughs> well, you idiot. Um, <laughs> gratitude is, is not identified by necessarily what we're grateful for, but the expression or feeling associated yeah, and with the it. the feeling is... Yeah. I would I would never have come to the place where I accept myself as everybody else without having been absolutely defeated. Just time and time again, uh, thinking I've got things figured out in life in general, not even speaking specifically about addiction, just in life in general, 
and then running right into myself hmm. um, and, and, and disaster and, you know, calamity and just, you know, in my own forms. Uh, when do you remember that, that kind of, when do you remember the, the beginning of the sabotage, so to speak? Because you, you had a, you, I mean, you know, you grew up, no, you didn't grow up here in Utah, right? I grew up in, in so all up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico and I grew up in Miami mostly. From 12 on, it was Miami for uh-huh. me. Yeah. Which right is in a, the middle of... Which is a whole special city in its own. Yeah. And it has so many little subcultures and subgroups there. It yeah. is. It's like being in another galaxy. Uh, it, yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, so what was it like growing up in Miami? So uh, we moved there um, in like 1984, maybe it was. Wait. Three eighty four, right when Miami Vice was the original Miami Vice was really popular. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, everybody dressed like that. Everybody acted like that. People owned sixty thousand dollar homes and drove sixty thousand dollar cars. Uh, back when a sixty thousand dollar home maybe was I don't know. Um it, it just everything was backwards. Um it was very image back, back when a sixty thousand dollar home didn't have wheels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah, um, it, it was very image. It was all about image. You know, just after the time of when Castro pulled, you know, pulled one over on on uh, on the peanut guy, President. Um, Carter, Carter on Carter and, and Jimmy, yeah, you know, and you had all the Port of Mariel guys come in, and they're all the criminals, and it was just a an interesting. I I, I was just getting into junior high, uh, so we moved right during that time period, and I felt really out of place. As a matter of fact, I, I rejected my culture a little bit because, like, I don't want to be like these people. Um, but you know, I saw cocaine being done on the shop class desks. Really? You know, yeah. Okay. Teacher left for a minute. And this guy that he looked like a Marielito, he just threw a couple lines down with these these girls, and I'm sure my jaw must have hit the, the you know my desk. Like, what is this? It was like seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth grade, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but it was what it was. I I really didn't know much different. That's where I ended up growing up, and mm-hmm. it was a wild place. Certainly. Very, it was it was a contrast to you know what I've experienced in Utah. Sure. Yeah. What 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 were you attracted to that lifestyle? Were you what were those part components that you were attracted to? Because you, you grew up in a, a fairly religious home. If I, I remember, I grew up in a religious home. Really, my my mother was the only one person that was religious. Um, my parents divorced that when I was ten, and uh, I don't really think I knew what I was attracted to. I just. Um, We moved a lot when I was younger, um, and you know I learned this. Uh, Wendy taught me this, and, and you probably one day. We were we went over a childhood experience of mine when I was ten. We were living in New York, upstate New York, and uh, I don't know if this really answered your question, but it's the experience that came to mind. Um, and I uh, I was out playing with the kids in the neighborhood, and and you know how kids are. I wasn't even fat. I was barely chubby, but they called me whale blubber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I, you know, I don't even know if I knew what whale blubber was. Mm-hmm. It was 10 years old, and, uh, but I knew it couldn't be good. 
you know. Um, and so I went home. I think I went home trying. <laughs> Couldn't to- be good, right? <laughs> Unless you're a whale, <laughs> then which in that case, which in that case is probably it's, it's, exactly it is where you're supposed to be. Necessary, yeah. In fact, it, it life sustainable. Right? I bet other whales look at each other and go, "Look at that blubber, oh yeah. baby." You know, oh well, come on. Let's let's go ahead and, and and unpack this even bigger because you know this this idea of thin being good and clean and sexy and healthy and all that kind of stuff is That's new. new. It's, it's new, new, right? Yeah. It's it's this past fifty years that that has really exploded because the image of what was beautiful and what was healthy a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, is much different than it very, is. Very very different. Yeah. Opulence was seen as if you had some weight on you, then you had. Mm-hmm. You had uh, means. You had yeah. resources. So we just we're just existing in the uh, in the wrong time, is what you're. I, I, I hear totally. You saying, right? I, I should have been born <laughs> two hundred years ago. <laughs> um, A so the, these icon. kids called me whale blubber, right? And they. Uh, I went home to my parents, and um, my dad grew up in the slums of Puerto Rico. I only say it's not because it's kind of a vision for me to understand who what he grew up with and like you know somebody got in a fight and you lost you took a two by four and then you beat him um so i went home i said they call me whale blubber yada 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 whatever and he says well you're gonna go back there and and uh tell them that you'll fight each one of them i don't know if he said one at a time or whatever so i went back out you know, I followed the instructions. At this Let's point. hope one at a time, because you know that's, the odds are going to decrease really rapidly <laughs> if you know you've got. You know, it, it was probably even two like on that. ones, not healthy. No, no. So I did, and the kids lined right up. So I must have been one at a time. They lined right up, and uh, I hit a kid in the face and the nose, and the line the line quickly dispersed, um, which I'm really grateful for because I would have gotten my ass kicked seven times in a row mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, and and I remember, I think it was Wendy. She said, "What did you learn from that?" And you know, I didn't learn, I didn't learn to hit first or hit hard mm-hmm. or you know any of those kinds of things. And this had to be told to me mm-hmm. at the you know in my forties. Mm-hmm. What I learned was to care a lot what other people think and say about right. me. Right. That was right. the lesson, and and I carried that on afterwards. Uh, so in growing up in Miami, it was already really image oriented. Yeah. And it, I just really wanted to be accepted. I wanted to fit in, um, just like everybody in junior high does, right? That just comes with the age. Mm-hmm. And then growing up, I just wanted to be okay. Um, so I think that's when it started. You know, I, I discovered other things later that, you know, made me feel more than okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So um, as far as, you know, you... W- had, when you, you were living in Miami, was that just with your mom, or was that with both your parents? No, well, they divorced when we were in Virginia, just outside of D.C., so I was 10 okay. at that time, 10, 11, and we moved to Miami when I was 12, um, and so... What did your dad do? He, you, moved, you moved around he, like that? He, uh, at first, he was a CPA, mm-hmm. um, and then I think he, he, he... We moved to Mexico City mm-hmm. from... And we went first from my, from Puerto Rico to Miami to then D.C. and then to and that's when my my both my parents became in D.C. when I was eight no seven six or seven they became they joined joined the, the Mormon Church became LDS and and then we moved to Mexico City we lived there for a mm-hmm. year um, what was the question again <laughs> what did your dad oh do? what did he do so <laughs> when I know but he I went like there that. like you can keep going with that right there he he <laughs> he uh, he worked for. Um, 
Marriott at that time. Okay. So they moved him around. Gotcha. And then from Marriott, he went and worked for Corning Glassware in New York. And then I don't know what after that. Um, hmm. So we, we moved around a bit. You know, getting to know him now really for who he is, that was his restlessness. That was his things are never good enough. I've got to get to the next place, which is that's one of the things that I carried also. I was going to say, almost like you're talking about yourself there for a moment. Yeah, very much so funny. <laughs> what? I'm a reflective, reflection of my father? <laughs> we turn into our parents. That's right. No! <laughs> and that's the last thing I wanted to be was my, you know, I, he became the devil in my mind uh, after the divorce and things like that. Well, we're supposed, I mean, that demonizing our parents, if, if we don't, you know, if we see them as the problem, right, is an easy thing to do if we don't want to take accountability right. for ourselves. But if the problem's over there, it's yeah. not here. Right, yeah. It's their fault that they did this when it's just not true. <clears throat> that, another thing that took me a long time to <laughs> accept in my life. <laughs> Wait, it's not their fault? Or I can't use that as an excuse to, right? Yeah. you know. My issues I have with my parents, both of my parents have passed, so it's a little bit different. So I can, you know, I can say a lot more things, but really, nothing ever bad. They never did anything bad. No, my parents loved me. They cared about me. I really had to find, you know, I didn't have to find too hard, but I never experienced abuse or, you know, anything like that. But I found, I found things, you know, whatever, whatever I could pick up on, uh, to blame. So, so when it comes to image and ideas and how you saw yourself and in those developmental years, um, when do you think that, uh, I mean, I, I, the fight's a great story because that's when you learned that, um, you know, to create this idea, this image based on what other people thought of you, right? And when do you think that that really be- became uh, unhealthy at some point. I mean, I'm not saying that was a healthy moment necessarily, but when do you think that this sort of like became out of control? Even you know before the drugs, even so. I don't know. I started with the drugs at 15. By then, other things were already in place. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I loved girls. They were you know fast. You know, just were they your first of- drug? Do you think? For sure, okay. they're my first. I, I'll share a story because this is another one of those for me. That's this is the because I like to arrive. Having arrived is a feeling that I really, really like, and that's uh, not necessarily that great for me, but I really <laughs> seek it. And uh, in junior high, uh, the same place where I went and they're doing cocaine on the shop table, um, shop classroom table. I'm in Miami. The Cuban culture, they the, the school buses. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they don't use those. They have these private fans that pick you up and you pay like whatever it was back then, 15 bucks a week to have your kids shuffled around in these private vans. And so I'm waiting for my private van ride. And uh, Well, it's probably <laughs> needed air conditioning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was like 65 degrees no, that day. Like, yeah, uh, and I was outside waiting for this. And it was at the end of the school day. And, and, and you know, I was acclimated. 65 degrees was cold. Uh, for Miami, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was freezing. I was shivering. And these two girls, this this cute blonde girl and this cute brunette girl, came and, and they they uh, they wrapped themselves around me. And I, st- I still can't even help but smile when I think about this. I can they- tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insert huge smile right here. Yeah. Um, and they, they wrapped themselves and started just rubbing me up and down, just... Um, one on either side of me. How and old were you? I was 14. Yeah. 
Yeah. 13, were, they, were they your 14, age? I was 14. Yeah, they were my age. I think. Maybe a year older, maybe a year younger, but right around my age. And uh, certainly, and I didn't even know them that well. Um, it's not like they were close friends, uh, but we knew each other. And of course, I liked that feeling. Mm-hmm. That felt great. Uh, but then these two guys walked by and they made some comment like, oh man, I wish I was you. And that, it was like the heavens parted and right. like, this is it. Yeah. This is what it's about. The sun came out. The, and, yeah. And the sh- birds yeah, were right. chirping. chirping. The rainbow and, came yeah, through yeah. with a pot of gold on both right, ends. You know, right. That was it. I'd arrived. This is the feeling I want to yeah. feel. And it wasn't, I mean, sure they had some sexual to- undertones to it. It certainly did, but it was just that feeling of, and so that certainly came with image, uh, all those things, and so eventually, sex certainly did become my first drug. That was yeah, my, yeah. Well, yeah, and and the validation that comes from and, it, and yeah. the attention that comes from it, all that happening, all in, yeah. in that moment, all that stuff firing in my brain. Um, that was the first thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't know when that. Coming back to your question, when it this. It became unhealthy, uh-huh. but I know that it can be more and more unhealthy as I got older. Mm. Um, uh, I just, I really wanted to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking about financially, just my main values in life was I wanted to be a good father mm-hmm. and a good husband. Right. Um, so maybe more family oriented. And those but, were my core values. Well, yeah, you, if you grow up in... Well, when when did your parents convert to the uh, when I was LDS? six or seven? So okay, was, so yeah, that's young still. So, okay, yeah, I was young. So, so you you that that was your foundation at that point um, was some of the family dynamics that are inherently attributed to um, LDS. You know, absolutely, absolutely, okay, the LDS community. The um, yeah, and then you know, I went. I I, I I looking back at different phases of my life, it just became as a missionary. I, I served a mission. It, I, I went on a mission because I actually wanted to. I didn't feel social pressure. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I had no plans on going. And then I had a, a spiritual awakening of sorts and was like, this is mm-hmm. what I'm going to go do. Um, how, how were you, I'm guessing, I, mean, I can't remember, were you sexually active by that point? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was sexually active at 15. Okay. Uh, I had this eight. Oh, so I had this right, after the, right after the, the sandwich, right the, after the rub the down. <laughs> the Cuban sandwich. The Cuban, you were the Cuban sandwich. I was the right? Cuban sandwich, yeah. yeah. And uh, I love a good Cuban sandwich, actually. Um, shortly after that, I, 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 we moved from that area of Miami to another. Um, I started this, dating this girl. She was 18. I was 15. So I thought that was... Super cool. Um, she had a driver's license. I didn't even have a license. So it was, it was perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe that was just the car recently. I can't remember. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I diverge. Yeah. I diverge. Funny how things go full circle. Full circle, right. Um and you know that then I became sexually active, and it was like wildfire for me. Like I didn't, I wasn't even able to be faithful to her. Like I just, I would get hall passes. Me and other girls, she went to a different high school, and just stuff would go on in the halls. And I was just, it ran. It's like I ran away with myself. 
Mm. Um, so certainly it acted like a drug for me. Yeah. That's how, that is how. Well, in the brain it is. I yeah, mean, that is how I got my validation and self-esteem yeah. growing up. From 15 on, if, if I have more girls I slept with and the more times mm-hmm. with each one, then somehow I was not even better. I was just more okay. Mm-hmm. I was just more okay. So it got more and more that way. Uh, but anyways, I had a, a change and I, w- I went on a mission. And um, even on the mission, I, I felt like I had to separate myself somehow. You know, cream rises to the top or whatever that. Did you have the thing. conversation with uh, your bishop or whatever beforehand <laughs> to explain? Because you're kind of supposed to, you know, t- tell them about your exploits or whatever it was. Somehow you know? that doesn't match up, does it? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, so this is before in the LDS culture before they raised the bar. No. Um, into like you have to have certain have met certain standards of of living but I do remember this I, I remember being at Rick's College in, in Rexburg, Idaho mm-hmm. and having a spiritual awakening like oh I want to go serve a mission I want to do these things mm-hmm. and I, my drug use my my sexual exploits stopped mm-hmm. like it just stopped I, 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 what I drugs was, were you using at that time? Um, so first of all it's Rexburg, Idaho there's not a lot to use but up to that point I'd used uh, marijuana was my first drug. That mm-hmm. was my first, second love, mm-hmm. if you will, after, you know, the sandwich. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Alcohol. The typical psychedelics, uh, LSD, ecstasy was big in Miami about around that time. It was the real ecstasy, too, not oh. the garbage today. It All was, the stuff that's cut. Well, Molly is, which is cut with... Um, some type of amphetamine, yeah. generally speaking. And, and, and ecstasy, um, or MDMA... And and um, meth have, almost have the same chemical component. There's just like one double hydrogen bond at the end over there that that changes it. I don't know what the bond is, but I know that I like it um, <laughs> for sure. For some people, it's like it's a happy drug for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. at least they thought it was. You know, they felt better and about themselves and about other people, and they were more <clears throat> open to being connected. So there was a lot of ideas that this could be helpful. I mean, but a lot of drugs today they're using that were once used. You know, just for um, escape or, you know, for getting high or being used now, you know, more clinically. Clinically, yeah. yeah. Whether it be, you know, um, psilocybin mushrooms or um, uh, or ketamine, you know, or acid even is coming back. So, and, and, and so is MDMA as well being yeah, used. Yeah, and I, I'm sure for there's uses for everything. Mental health purposes, there yeah. are uses for uh, it. Yeah. People have different mental health issues and there's certain drugs that, whether it be prescript, you know, legal or not, that I'm sure have a certain effect. Uh, I do know this for me is that I've never had anxiety. I've never had to, like, I don't really suffer from that stuff. Uh, but I do like to just run away. Mm. Um, so, so as, as a, when, so, I went well, to when did the, mission, when did the stimulants though come in? Because with, with, um, romance and sex and that validation being the first drug, which, you know, comes into that, just, you know, <laughs> mid part of, of the center part you know the mid mid brain and and uh just wrecks havoc on it because it's like fires just like cocaine does similarly so when did the stimulants come in do you do you remember that you know when i do exactly okay um at the age of 30 i didn't do any drugs from 18 to 30 okay um, I went and served a mission, and, and I actually had to meet with what they call general authority mm-hmm. because I'd done so many things. I'm using, you know, bunny ears right now mm-hmm. um, that they're like, oh, we don't know if you're going to be allowed to go. You've mm-hmm. done too much shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and I met with this general authority, and I was really just in a good place. I was ready. You've to had go too much life experience too in this <laughs> particular area, Joaquin, and we're not sure. Yeah, that if was that the, life experience that is was appropriate. The initial message. Yeah. And when I met with this guy, the, he said, he said I, I, I can't even find one reason why you shouldn't go and go help other people. Uh-huh. Uh, totally different message than one I had received yeah. before. So I went, you know, yeah. and I went guilt-free, and, and, and I served a great, a It sounds like it, it, was a wonderful a, it was a powerful experience for Yeah, you. in a lot of different ways, a lot of great experiences. Where'd you go? Uh, Anaheim, California. Yeah. yeah. So Disneyland, the Disneyland Hell, mission. Hell's bells. Yeah, yeah, it was Orange County. All of Orange County. It's about twenty miles square. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we well, all had cars. And at that time, it was the porno capital of the world. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, good thing. <laughs> I did have With your women, first addiction, I did yeah. have some women open the door naked to us sometimes. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. mostly Huntington Beach. Yeah, uh, right. but uh, yeah, yeah. Lucky. So I didn't, I didn't drink or use for all that time afterwards. It didn't even make sense to me. Hmm. Uh, why would I want to do this mm-hmm. in my life um, and bring lack of control sure, yeah. back in? So, Good it, question. Yeah. yeah. On my mission, though, I had that feeling of I, I needed to be separate, better than, mm-hmm. you know, rise up, if you will. Yeah. Um, so a better servant to your higher power type thing? Yeah. 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 So showing up and suiting up and suiting yeah. up and showing up, literally. Yeah. I did. I yeah. did. And uh, and, and a lot, some of it became mixed with ego. Um uh, you know, I was asked to extend my mission, and our mission became really young. So I was asked to extend hmm. my mission to go train the new leaders how to lead and be missionaries. And how'd that feel? Oh, my head got instantly large. Yeah, yeah. just expanding outward. Yeah, I was thought when I got off my mission, I thought I was such a spiritual guru. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I just did. Were, were you? I don't think any more than anybody else. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I, I'd done good things. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of good things, but you know, looking back now and having beaten, been beaten into a state of bozoness, if mm-hmm. you will, um, <laughs> I, I realized. Welcome, brother. Yeah, everybody's got great stuff. Yeah, um, I met a couple guys that I thought. And this is when I first realized that there's humility out there, mm-hmm. and they were so weird to me. Like they were just naturally humble. Mm. And just, I I would look at them like, how does this person function? Mm. And and not in a bad way. It was just in awe at their humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a couple guys like that. And were you attracted to it? Was part of you attracted to it? This, I found something attractive. I've always found something attractive about humility. First of all, I knew good things came with humility. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something that engendered me towards them, like. Wow, I like the way I feel around them, but it was not my natural state. Mm-hmm. Just my natural state is to think very highly of myself, right. or maybe I don't know. Maybe I thought so lowly of myself that I had to co- compensate. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, being egocentric is part of normal human development, but it sounds like you feel like you took it to the extremes and have at times where. Um, it overshadowed your ability to maybe experience humility or, or gratitude in certain ways. And that that's not an uncommon human experience in itself. You know, we have uh, we have a great examples in our uh, 
systems today of people that struggle with humility. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'm not, no, I won't mention any names, but you know, you you know who. But they have Twitter accounts. They have, they have <laughs> <laughs> tweet, tweet, baby, tweet, tweet. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we couldn't resist. No, could I we? didn't say his name. No. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So I don't know what we we're talking about, but I. Uh, I guess we can go to. I, I didn't drink or do drugs for eleven years or so. So you, you had you had this. You, you chose a, a different life path, um, more of a spiritual path. Um, you you know started this with the intent of um, living the, the uh, gospel or uh, and the tenets of the LDS Church, and at some point something shifted. Yeah, you know it shifted very quickly for me. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 woman thing quickly came back into i just needed that it's needed so the powerful attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah the validation is yeah. so powerful i got married and, I, and that just kind of exploded in me mm-hmm. uh and i, I married a wonderful woman really mm-hmm. of good stock if you will a good person but i just had something inside me brewing that i needed more i needed i needed something to fill me up inside did you have sex at all during those those 11 years married no, before you before you got married, those eleven years you were sober so was I got, from drugs. So I, I I returned as a missionary like twenty two, and I got married like at twenty three. Oh yeah, okay, never so, mind. Okay, let's yeah, yeah. My, my, my. Uh, but I certainly suffered. I, I I struggled with fidelity within my marriage. Okay, a lot. I, okay. and I and I hated myself for it. It's shame, just, shame. This is this is probably the where shame set in because you now had all this dogma behind you about what it meant to be married in, in, you know, and, um, you know, fidelity was very important. You were, you know, under the, the notion that you're being sealed to this person under yeah. the LDS mythology, um, excuse me, dogma. Um, and, uh, and with that, you know, it, that easily brings on shame because what's wrong with me? Why am I not living by what the, Why this faith I've agreed I to? Yeah. yeah. What, so something must be wrong with me. Yeah. Which is what shame's about, right? Internalize that. You know, we we know the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt being I made a mistake. <laughs> shame, I am shame. I am that mistake. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Yeah, right. and I ran with that. Yeah. And certainly the dogma was like jet fuel to that. And it just, it, I I did overcome that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I you know I found twelve step programs around that behavior, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but I don't know that I ever really overcame the shame. I, but I, I had certainly had that feeling of what is wrong with me? I'm going against everything I want and believe in, uh, and everything that I love and care for. But I just was incapable at that mm-hmm. time in my life. I just had no other resources. Uh, it eventually brought me to the stimulants. You know, at the age of thirty, um, <clears throat> I I actually the first thing I did after eleven years of not drinking is I had a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember? Yeah. You remember that beer? I don't remember that. What I don't. I think it was a Budweiser. Yeah. Like, no, I don't mean the. But do you remember that moment where you? I do remember that where moment you, where, you, where you where you where you somehow rationalized this was a good idea. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, prior to that, uh, with whatever other struggles I had, it made no sense to me mm-hmm. to drink or use. Um, my my wife at the time was she's going to go get her master's. I think I had this feeling of being left behind. This uh, less than feeling going on. I don't think I can look back now and I know this. You I know exactly. See yeah. It. Uh, yeah. We had struggled in the marriage before, but we had come into this good time. And, mm-hmm. uh, but she was going and doing good things, and 
I actually was successful in 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 my mm-hmm. professional life, and but it's still it's like it wasn't good. It wasn't enough. enough. It wasn't I mean, enough. It wasn't enough. Um, had to be more. Always had to be more. And if your partner um, was doing more than you were, somehow that made me less than. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember I I was with this woman. Um, I broke that barrier first, and then she offered me a beer, and I think we had a pill. And that's it. Two weeks later, I, literally two weeks later, I was smoking crack every day. No shit. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped all the fun bars. There's, a, there's stuff. a great line, you know, that, you know, there's a great line <laughs> in a movie called The Wonder Boys uh, with Michael Keaton, Tobey Maguire, and yeah, uh, Francis McDormand. And, oh, just a whole group of amazing uh, actors. Uh, yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s in it too. It was his f- first movie back after he got clean. Mm. Yeah, because nobody would hire him at the time. But they I had a great Robert they, Downey Jr. story. They hired him for Wonder Boys, and um, now I really want to watch this. Yeah, I've, it's one of my favorite movies. But the, what I the, there's a line in it where Tobey Maguire is telling about his family. He, they were Catholic. <laughs> yeah, you know, we you know when we fall, we fall hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. It, it's like <laughs> we we go we go from zero to 60 or zero to 100 you know just like that so you went from the you know sleeping with someone to a beer to two weeks later you know smoking cra- crack every day so, yeah 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 and then what happened it happened very fast because i'm assuming that didn't go over so well at home <laughs> <laughs> no, no of course not and i had zero ability to come back uh, like once I started that, mm-hmm. I just disappeared. I I disappeared for days at a time, um, and um, uh, the cocaine drift. Yeah, 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 yeah. And within four or five months, I I found myself in such a place that I actually put myself in the rehab, hmm. um, because it, it just happened so quickly, and I I was miserable. Um, I I just. Everything was going wrong, obviously. You can't smoke crack every day, all day, and have things go great. I have yet to see it with anybody. Um, and so I put myself in the rehab. And- <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. So, you know, <laughs> you know if, if you're the one person out there that can smoke crack daily and you have a healthy, normal life... <laughs> <laughs> Please call five 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 one two one two. Thank you very much. Um, didn't what's his face from uh, Three Men and a Baby or whatever? No, Two and a Half Men do that successfully? Or no, he just thought he did. Um, that smoking crack thing every day. I put myself in the rehab, and Charlie Sheen. Sheen, that was his yeah. name. Winning. <laughs> that uh if i i think if i would have had those resources that he had i just wouldn't have survived yeah yeah um i wouldn't have been able to do that very sure. long period yeah. um and it, things only got worse i went to rehab i just wasn't ready uh, I knew I had a problem, mm-hmm. 
but I didn't know what to do with it. Well, you, pro- you didn't know really what the problem was at that point. You could see the symptoms, right? Yes. You could see all these symptoms out there, the crack, the women, everything, but not really understanding what the what was causing the isolation and the self-medication. You, you hadn't figured that out. I had not a clue. Yeah. Not a clue. I used the first day out of rehab. I mean, the classic stuff. I got to get back home. I've got an important job, and I'm needed, and I never even made it back. Um <clears throat> And things got really progressively worse over the next year. Hmm. Um, and then I... Did you, wait, did you go right back to the crack? Right back. Okay. Right back. I mean, I had to fly back from L.A. and then, like, take the shuttle down to get down the Provo, get my car mm-hmm. and my credit cards. And then... So it took a minute to mm-hmm. get my resources so I could go back and get my stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, same day. Wow. Yeah. Um there had been raids, too, in Salt Lake. And so the normal places I would have gone were all... <laughs> I had to, like, search to go oh. to go get my stuff. Right. Um, uh, I, I wasn't ready to look at myself at all. Um, and then... Didn't see that. You didn't see that as a sign, right, from the universe. <laughs> all your normal places were raided while you were gone. <laughs> and you come back and you go, well, it's a good idea to pick back up again. And then, yeah. Uh, but didn't even cross all my, my sources that I've known of, it, yeah, right. but the brain goes, eh, but there, there's more places. <laughs> the, yeah. Right. I, all I thought was, well, I know how to find it. I'll find it. Yeah. It didn't even, it just, that didn't no, even I cross gotcha. my mind. I understand. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so that, that continued. I, I got sober about a year later. Hmm. Um, and, uh. I lost, you know, that job that I had a really good job, paid for my car. I had a company vehicle, paid for everything, mm-hmm. you know, tons of vacation, sick time every year. And mm-hmm. I really, what happened before that was there was that disparity between my wife doing some things, but also I'd come to a place where I had arrived also, uh-huh. you know, home. I mean, been a homeowner for a long time, but, you know, cars, a boat, all that kind of stuff. And. You had all the things. All the things. Yeah. Yeah, the outside things. But they weren't, still weren't cutting it. Yeah, but I still didn't know what was wrong with me on the inside. Right. Um, it didn't take very much of a nudge. Uh, it's like it was just lying in wait. And uh, I, uh, I I ended up stealing from the company I worked for. And uh, I, I can't even say that I admitted on my own. My wife also worked for that company. And she's like, look, I know it was you. If you don't say something, I will. And so I had to like go between my legs and tail between my legs, and mm-hmm. I reported to the to the basically the executive director and say mm-hmm. that was me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, good. Well, good for you. Good for you. And you know, regardless. And and, and and why don't you resign? Um, yeah. So that was kind of the place where I was like, okay, something's got to change for me. Yeah. Um, and I and I did. I, I so started. was there a little humility there or not at that point? Th- there was when you faced your boss. Um, you know, th- there was a lot of shame at that moment. Mm-hmm. Is what there was. Well, you but you had to because you had to fess up and take accountability. Right? Yeah, and yeah. I was embarrassed, just to into my bones of what mm-hmm. I had done. Yeah, um, shame. Yeah, the shame. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, that was enough momentum the shame to be able to go to to do to, to work on myself to do something mm-hmm. uh, and 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 try and get better 
and uh, so I, I had been introduced over that year to to twelve uh, step programs, and so I was I'd been as a matter of fact I had been attending that whole year uh, AA, I'd, but I was I couldn't even get seventy two hours. Um, I just I just couldn't. Um, I had no accountability. I had no I had all these resources. I had a job, but you kept going. Yeah, but I kept going. Yeah, it's not interesting. Well, the first thing I heard that actually made sense to me when mm-hmm. I sort of started doing that was some guy would say, and he had this chronic relapse story, um, like 13, 15 years of just relapsing after mm-hmm. relapse, and, but now he was whatever, 15 years sober. Mm-hmm. He'd say, keep coming back no matter what. Right. And somehow I grabbed onto that because I knew I was a mess. And so I was like, okay, no matter what, I'm just going to. That is part of the tenets of 12-step, of the 12-step methods, you know, methodology is this idea of no matter what, you keep showing up. And at some point, maybe it'll, it'll stick, you know, not, not, it doesn't even have to be the dogma of AA that ends up sticking, but it's the idea that I need to keep showing up and be part of something, you know, that I've got to find a way to connect. And I'm I'm running from myself, right? In this same same the same moment, the addictions are taking me further and further away of, from who I am, or I don't even know who I am. But as long as I'm showing up and staying somewhat connected, there's a chance. You yeah, know? yeah. And I did finally. It smarted bad enough, it hurt bad enough uh-huh. that I was just willing to take instruction and do things. Than other than what I would normally do, and mm-hmm. and uh, I got sober. I stayed sober for a couple of years, for about two and a half years. Hmm. Um, we, I mean, the marriage got good. Um, we decided to have a baby about a year in, uh, so you know she got pregnant, and we um, we had our son, Alex, and and uh, all good things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I tend to do, and this is something I, I always watch for now. I mean, it happens to me throughout the day. Sitting right here, right now, I, I had a moment of, there goes my bozo. Just like, let me put my makeup on and, you know, the <laughs> the red hair. And yeah. I could just, sometimes I hear it mm-hmm. out of myself. Sometimes I just feel it. And and I just started to get full of myself. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, about two years sober. If, if if you worked a program like I did, then you would never relapse. Right. Yeah. Well, and you and you know, and you and I have talked about this, and I, you know, it, it's part of my philosophy, and, and a lot, I mean, a lot of people share this that the relapse is not about the substance anyway. You know, all the behavioral and the thinking stuffs already in there. The thinking errors are happening way before that you know and part of it i think is what you just said it's a, it's a loss of humility and gratitude that often in most cases that and then though the, the you the humility and the the humility and the gratitude go down and then the shame rises they rises up and that shame is often what drives a lot of people back to using on some level on some level yeah, and the behavior started again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, looking back throughout my life, I can see that a bunch of times. That that what you just that process you just yeah. described. Um, you know, humility drops, gratitude dissipates, yeah. just dis- dissolves, yeah. and 
now I've got all these other behaviors. Yeah. The all shame the, sitting there. The shame and the and the this negative self talk. You know the all the the bully. I mean, Todd would say. Yeah. Todd Sylvester's been on this show a half a dozen times. He he would you know that idea that the bully pulpit takes over and all that negative stuff pours and oozes out and it's just toxic soup. You know, I love. I always loved Carl Jung's. Uh, not love it, but I mean, it's it's a good way to describe it. Uh, Brene Brown talks about this too. Is you know, shame is the swampland of the soul. I mean, it's <laughs> it's deep and dark and sticky and muddy and down in there. And Humid. It's, just, it's yeah. hard to move. You know, it feels like our legs are stuck in mud almost sometimes. You know, that swampland. I had this weird uh, speaking of Todd and, and the the, the self talk because I remember when I first was con- when I you know first went to Wasatch and, and met with. Todd and 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 learned these new ways of looking at life and looking at myself, uh-huh. and I had and I'd known about this self talk before because I had identified it already. I had these stories about myself, one one of which was oh, those damn narratives. Yeah, um, that eventually hmm. I'm gonna f things up. There's just this storyline I had going eventually. No matter how much good I did, no matter what I did, eventually. It's just a story. The, one, <laughs> just kind of mixed in with the dogma. And I don't, nobody taught it to me. Mm-hmm. It just was always there. And once I found a book that I that kind of pointed out something similar, uh-huh. I twisted it and made it my own. It was that before I was even born, I was predestined to fail. Right. That God had like... In making me or whatever, you know, like crafting me, he's like, oh, shit. Oh, well, I better go to send him down there anyway so he can find out he's a screw up. Like, that's just... <laughs> and I had this concept of, oh, you're predestined to fail. So that's a real tight loop. Hopefully he'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, at least he'll have the experience of learning for himself. Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like God works that way. Yeah, exactly. That's so <laughs> twisted. Uh, today I can't even mm-hmm. conceive of... A higher power, a universe, or God that would even think yeah. that way at all. Right. But that was yeah. deep, deep yeah. in my soul. Yeah, and, and you know, there. The, I think there's a, a certain amount of, um, you know, trickster involved in that. You know, the, I don't know if you know much about Native American, uh, you know, history or, no. or spirituality or earth-based medicine. But the the coyote represents the trickster. You know, one that's in, in that, that energy and that influence, one where we're always talking ourselves in or out of things, um, you know, and things we know are not a good idea, but somehow we we, they, we come about with that. And the, the tricksters, uh, from a, a sense of folly, can also can really be a healthy experience. But when it turns, it turns into more of the shame. Um, especially if it creates behaviors and thinking that are associated with something's wrong with me or I'm not enough. I mean, all those those statements, I'll never be, I'll never have, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too smart, I'm too thin, um, you know, whatever it is. Am I, something's, I'm the wrong color, I'm the right color, wh- whatever. The, all the stuff starts building up and it becomes so toxic. And it just takes over. It's it's it it has almost a um, seduction factor in it, but it, there's no healing in there. It just gets darker and thicker and more dense as time goes on. It it never it never leads to you know anything that helps us in the long run. But if you've been there, 
I mean, I hope I also like the the idea. I mean, that was about the trickster a little bit because the trickster can also help us get get out of our way a little bit more on the folly side. Allow us to realize that well, I've been tricked along the way. I've tricked myself into something at times where I actually end up doing something different and turns out to be something good, even though in the moment I I didn't understand what was going on. So I kind of like that that type of that that type of lore. Energy. Say that again. That last part of how you can trick yourself, but in the other direction. Well, it's more when we don't take ourselves too seriously. Ah. The problem is when we take ourselves seriously and we get tricked, it can often lead to the darkness of shame. But when we trick ourselves and we've done it with folly and we don't take ourselves too seriously, it can be like a relief of, oh, it truly is. I'm just another. It truly is true. I'm just another bozo on the bus. I'm just like everyone else. And I'm not special, and I'm not entitled, and, you know, I'm just part of this magic weird dance that's going on, and I can either embrace it and have fun with it and and go with it, or I can feel miserable and disassociate from myself and end up back into those shame cycles. Today, um, I was talking with somebody else, and I was mentioning that just the how I can go throughout any day, and now it's I can laugh at myself. I've just accept myself as I am, you know, I have these tendencies, uh, my ego's easily inflated, I start to think I know everything, you, you name it, whatever it is, um, I like the limelight, what, whatever it is, and I just start mm. to go with it. And for whatever reason today, well, I know, I know some reasons why, but today I, I can pause for a minute and just chuckle and go, oh, wow. <laughs> you're something else but it, it doesn't go into that box of shame right uh that lower level that says man i'm something else horrible me poor me and then i just start beating up on myself um can we i mean can we laugh at ourselves yeah I mean, that is so important you well, know the truth is it, it's fun kind of silly i'm mm-hmm. silly and uh and it's okay and it's okay. And I've got other things that about me that are good and some silly things that that I have a tendency to want to do and not just want to do, just feel and, and, and be like. And uh, I mean, one of those is really just, I think I know stuff. Man, I think I know stuff. <laughs> Before I even think I know stuff, I think I'm knowing stuff. Right, right. And, right. Uh, and I catch myself all the time. Uh, you know, somebody at work's not doing things the way I think they should be done or mm-hmm. I'm not being appreciated and I can just start, the twist starts to happen and I start to dial in on them and they don't appreciate me for what I know and what I've done already in such a short period of time. You know, uh, all these great things. I've And I, then I, I realize, oh man, here I go again. Here I go again. <laughs> and, and, and now I can laugh and, and, uh, and I guess one of the great hopes for me is, boy, I hope I can keep that, just that general right. levity around myself that I'm not that big a deal. Um, I'm riding through life like everybody else. And uh, and maybe I can do some good along the way. Sure. And that, you know, I need I need people. I need community. I need to be connected. Otherwise, I isolate and then, you know, the other stuff, the ego takes over and, you know, I start thinking I'm different, which... Uh, that doesn't work. 
that doesn't work. I mean, there are plenty. You can exist in the world and be that way. I mean, I don't want to say you can't. I mean, it's possible, but it's actually pretty lonely eventually if we can't laugh at ourselves and make fun of ourselves and realize the folly of our ways. It's so important to learn how to have fun with this. With It's okay to be who I am. I, I sometimes wish that and I and then I catch myself. I wish I wish I would have caught on to this fifteen years ago. Like what? But but here I am. It almost doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't. Uh, I I learned what I learned. I, now I have experiences that I can help other people that are mm-hmm. thinking the exact way, same way I I tend to or I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I am today. Um, I can I can not take myself so seriously yeah and 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 it feels much more comfortable uh, so let's let's get around to the uh kind of the tripping the light fandango there for a while um which is a you know a reference to a song of course the later shade of pale but w- what happened you know you had this you had the sobriety then you kind of fell back off and you kind of were out there and uh you know, you're, you're renowned for a couple things uh, in in those cra- in those crazy days. Uh, you know, without going into your police record or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of how you you got back, I guess, is what I'm interested in. What what you sort of what what happened there that kind of woke you up? I mean, um, so I, I I'd had experiences with recovery mm-hmm. here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and where I am today, I, I looking back, I can see. I can see myself wanting to do things and to be better and to do better, um, but I, I really wasn't willing to buy in wholesale um, into into recovery. Um, I you know I had some periods of sobriety years, and then I'd relapse, and then another couple years, and I'd relapse, and then another year. That it just kept getting worse, though. But well, they got closer, right? They got closer together, and they got more intense, and and they lasted longer. And and my drinking history looks like a periodic, a, a chronic relapser, a uh, binge drinker, uh, you know that guy that just goes. A hundred miles an hour until he just can't anymore, and then yeah. crawls back. Uh, and that b- period of rebuilding and then destroying right away mm-hmm. and then rebuilding uh, is something I got really familiar with. And, and that's when I arrived to, to Wasatch. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just come back from rebuilding, and life was great, and things were looking mm-hmm. really good. And you know, I had this was going to take my son to Hawaii. We mm. purchased tickets and all these good things were happening. Business was great. Uh, I was part owner in this, in this software startup. And, and then I just had this fantastic idea. And <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> what was this fantastic idea, Joaquin? Uh, <laughs> I had this fantastic idea that I would call someone up that I knew from before, uh-huh. and and I don't even know that I thought about it a lot, mm-hmm. because there have been times in my life where I go, no, I don't want to do this, and I could feel inside the sickness stirring, and it would make me physically sick and ill, because I knew what I was going to go do to myself. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I'm going to call this person up, I'm going to order 
all mm-hmm. these things. And I even wired them money and said, hey, I want X, Y, and Z when I get mm-hmm. back from this business trip. Mm-hmm. And I got off the plane and, you know, five days later, I'm I'm in jail. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, by that time, I was doing a lot of methamphetamines. I did everything together. I drank. Mm-hmm. I smoked weed, mm-hmm. cocaine, amphetamines. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'd go through periods of just, you know, I'd go five, six, seven days, no sleep. And then maybe I'd sleep a few hours. You and, had a buffet. Yeah. Uh, of, yeah. Of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, and, and everything you, else and got you didn't, left behind. you didn't make it to, the, uh, to Hawaii. I did not make it to Hawaii. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I... I uh, I ended up in the paper. I ended up, you know, uh, infamous for. I mean, I'll just call it for what it is. It's it's a great story of. I stole some peanut butter from some dude's apartment, ate some peanut butter while I was in there. I pulled a Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, uh, and I don't say that in a, in a deflammatory. No, no, know, I, I understand because we 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 go through what we go through, mm-hmm. and then you know, look at him now. Yeah. Um, I uh, I blacked out and wandered in some apartments, just looking for you safety. Did, well, you, supposedly you thought you were in yours. I mean, you know, in your own delusional I, I, way. I knew I was in Provo, and I knew, and I lived in Orem, and I needed to get home. Mm-hmm. I knew that much because yeah. I was in bad shape. Mm-hmm. And in the, the process, I browned out, and I and I went into a state of psychosis. What so had yeah. to be some. All I knew is I needed to get inside, and so I just started going in apartments I, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, I like parked my car up on the property not even in like a double parked in a stall like up on <laughs> the property of this set of apartments and you know went into a lady's apartment and then and then oh well sorry i shouldn't be here you know locked the door on the way out somehow I was still in this particular blackout was gentleman like and then i and i'll just tell the story because it's it's a f- people like it <laughs> Okay. I, I walked up. I walked in this apartment. I see this guy laying in his bed, and that did not deter me. I walked into the kitchen, and there was some, I don't know, Peter Pan peanut butter. I don't know. Uh, and I just ate some of it. Uh, and then I grabbed the guitar. I ran into a guitar, guitar, and I went to the another bedroom in that apartment. Mm-hmm. And once again, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just mm-hmm. knew I needed to get safe. And I crouched in the corner of the room. And held that guitar, hero guitar, like a rifle mm-hmm. for I don't know how much longer. Until in the doorway, I saw the guy wake up and walk by. It's like a figure, like you know, you see like mm-hmm. a like a, a Sasquatch, you know, <laughs> walking in the right, way. Right. He like walked by the door mm-hmm. and passed the doorway, and then he like peeked back in, like what is going on here? And he he got in the door and he's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember much of the conversation except that I, I did respond and I was like, I don't know. I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and uh, for me, this is one of those moments. And it wasn't the end of my drinking, but it was one of those moments that set me up for the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said to me, he said, well, do you want to ride home? And if, I, was, I was grateful for that mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. and he gave me a ride home and then the the police were waiting for me at my place uh they just all came in and and uh i had resources at the time uh so i bailed myself out of jail mm-hmm. and called my friend the next day because i need to get my car out and he said i said hey man can you help? i need to get to the you know to the impound he's like do you know what's going on i'm like yeah i just bailed myself out of jail and i was like i relapsed you know and he's like no man you were in the paper and uh, 
you know what's funny about that moment is I didn't even care. I just wanted to go get my car and go get more. Mm-hmm. That's all that really mattered. That's, that was all that was on the radar at that point. At that point, yeah. yeah. And it continued to the point I, I just couldn't anymore. Um, I was like that song that Linkin Park sings, uh, Crawling. Mm-hmm in my skin and I just I couldn't anymore um and I just you know somehow I a friend of mine she called me up um she said Joaquin I saw I heard you know everybody saw and heard Mm -hmm. like my whole professional network got an email about my escapades escapades we'll call them (laughs) (laughs) um and uh she said, do you want to go into treatment? I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a bad way. I'm mm-hmm. in a real bad way. And, um, eventually, I got in. I was like this ghost guy that I would call a week later. and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming in, I swear. And then I just disappear. And, uh, and that was the beginning of, beginning of the journey for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the end. It was just the beginning of the journey. You know, homelessness followed after that. Uh, you know, more failures. Until uh, mm-hmm. I just kind of... For the first time, maybe the second time, the first time being when I lost that one job in 2004 Mm -hmm. and and I lost the car with it and everything and I just kind of like, I gave up Mm -hmm. and I just came to this place where it's like, okay, just tell me what to do. Just Mm -hmm. tell me what to do and I'll do whatever I'm told to do Mm -hmm. to the full extent. No more negotiations, no more uh, picking and choosing, no more... No more of my ideas on how things should be. Mm. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, nothing in my life looks right now the way I would script it. Mm. But for the first time, probably, you know, and since maybe I was a missionary, mm. um, I'm content. Life's okay. I can laugh at myself. Mm. I got plenty of things to laugh at. <laughs> plenty of things to laugh at. Um, and uh, and right right now, I, I can definitely feel the feeling. Like I I don't know when it happened, when I crossed that line into borrowed time, as people say. Mm-hmm. You know, when I should be dead. Like, mm-hmm. I've gone through my nine lives. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, I crossed it. And, and, and finally, I realized, okay, I, you know... My life is not meant for me to be going and, and seeking after more of myself and mm-hmm. the things that I think are important from the outside in. But there's mm. people out there that are just like me, riding the bus, afraid, alone, uh, not thinking that they can go another day, mm-hmm. thinking there's no way. This may work for other people. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to work for me. That was one of the other stories I told myself. I see. This recovery thing will work for them, but it's it won't work for that me. I'm different, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, people do that. I mean, they're, they, you and I have had this discussion before. Is it That happens with it, you know, with AA too. Sometimes the 12-step metho- you know, um, methodology and um, it gets where we're... we're we, it becomes a scapegoat for certain people, you know, that type of thing that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And 
it, it not everything works for everyone. I, I get that. But the basic principles and the tenets about learning to live a wholehearted life, I think there's some general across the board components of it. We, we've and, talked about this before. And, and humbleness and gratitude and honesty and integrity and, and being compassionate and accepting. Forgiving. Forgiving. Yeah. Remember one time you're like. Being tolerant. You told me, Joaquin, just honor your parents. <laughs> And I remember thinking, <laughs> that was a Damn few it. years ago, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it took a couple of years to hit, like, yeah. yeah, I guess that's exactly what I need to do. Yeah. Stop, take them off the hook. Yeah. You know, the 12 step tenants would say, you're making your living amends. Yeah. And another place, it would just be, I'm letting them off the hook. Yeah. I'm the same as they are. Right. Don't scapegoat others. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, not, don't blame others for the way I am. Right, which is, that's the accountability piece, yeah. which is so powerful. I'm fully responsible for myself yeah. today. And then accepting that I am. Accepting I am responsible, right? You're responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. Your parents are responsible for them. And we're all just doing the best with what we were handed. Um, I uh, Lately, I've been trying to rebuild relationships with my parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 12-step model you know that's that's my making my amends and that's sure. a clear thing yeah. uh i i used to love this quote you know we grow up loving our parents then we resent them sometimes we forgive them yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 one of those things that I, I would hold on to and oh that's natural and normal and um i find myself learning a lot more than i thought i ever would yeah um, just being open to, man, I really don't know. I really don't know things. Mm. Um, and I never wanted to give them credit for the things that they did sure. know or did do. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's easier to blame. That's, you know, you understand, I, I know you understand the, the victim narrative or victim stances as well as anybody does. It's, it, it, they're easy targets, you know. And sometimes, you know, I mean, honestly, Parents, they they make mistakes, you know. Believe it or not, they do. They they make bad choices, and so do siblings sometimes, and so do friends, and so do we. It it doesn't mean that that's we're broken. It doesn't mean that you know we're wounded and can't be healed, even though it may feel like that. And so to hold someone else to a standard that's different than what we should be held to, you know, becomes a little complex and confusing especially when it comes to family you know and yeah they're i mean doing what i do for a living i hear stories some pretty fucked up stories about families you know and and abuse that goes on and and i still say i still under the the notion or the idea of if i'm going to take accountability for my healing then i must take accountability for forgiving those that may have brought harm to me in some way if i don't then i'm still utilizing the pain of that to justify and rationalize what I am doing today if it's not living a completely honest and wholehearted life. That's what it becomes. So when I make a mistake or I'm not be honoring, you know, my process, I blame it on that, those people or the, those, you know, um, I, I blame it to someone outside of myself or something. There's a, there's a tangible power in taking responsibility for myself hmm. uh, or a certain freedom. And I, I don't really know how to describe how it happens. It just seems to happen when I, the more I do that, 
without this shame and guilt attached mm-hmm. to it uh, and just say, here I am, I'm just another bozo, and I make these mistakes, somehow I'm free to be able to, to act differently. Uh, whereas when I can't take responsibility now or I blame or victim narrative, whatever it is, and I hold on to the secrets, I just get locked in more into those secrets and that same stuff. But as, as I take the responsibility sure. for things. That's a beautiful way to put it. Well, you know, and one of the things that's probably important, we, we can kind of shift a little bit here, is that, you know, this notion of, you know, to to kind of keep something, you got to give it away constantly, this idea. And and um, today, uh, in fact, we probably talked about this this last couple of weeks is, you know, what are you doing today? Because, I mean, share, you know, share the part of the story that has to do with that, you know, whether you do it through service you know, or, or how it had man, it's manifesting and showing up in your life now. How are you giving all this away? So I've always been driven by my, by myself, by mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, some people call it self propulsion, and it's always been about bettering my life, what I want. It's always under that. Even the good things. I want to show my son these good things. I want to take him on vacation. Mm-hmm. But it's always a reflection back on. How does it make me look? How does it yeah, do that? You personalize everything. Yeah. yeah. And 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 uh, the, the idea for me, uh, the belief really that getting to that place of just absolute surrender, like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than that, this place of I just can't. Mm-hmm. I can't anymore. I'm not talking about I can't do drugs anymore. I'm just, I can't. I can't live life successfully. And it doesn't mean that I don't have talents and capabilities. I just... I've run out of my own steam, hmm. and uh, and so I'm gonna turn myself over. My life is no longer my own. Mm-hmm. And if I've already escaped these nine lives, if you will, mm-hmm. I've already run through them all. Then what is the use of all that if it's not to share with someone else? Sit down across a table, uh, a restaurant, go on a walk together. And share in our bozoness. Mm-hmm. You and I share the same thing. Exactly. It may not look exactly the same on the outside, but it sure feels the same on the inside. And so I find the more that I do that, as I wake up in the morning and, and just kind of direct my thoughts towards that, and mm-hmm. whatever ends up being is going to be all right, it drives towards, who can I help today? Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to listen instead of talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those moments where like I'm talking, but really... The moments of today you're sharing that enjoyed, stories, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah we're sharing stories, mm-hmm. but I like listening to what you have to say, mm-hmm. um, and sharing my story so that it can, I can be useful to someone else. Um, all the other stuff just slips away. Right. Uh, right. It, I I'm filled up with something else. Yeah. So you you also what if I understand this you know this idea of um, you know, coaching and sponsoring and mentoring others, right? I mean, that's something that you've you found a passion for. Um, yeah, I'm just beginning, really, because be honest, in my false starts, if I, if I already call them that, I don't know what to call them. In years past, mm-hmm. um, I would get through, for example, certain steps, and then that would, my mind would quickly turn to me again, and uh, you know, those things that I need to m- make up for or change, uh, I'll get to that mm-hmm. eventually. But right now, I really need to insert 
whatever about me that I want to insert in there. Um, and so, you know, when I got to this place, I, I, uh, I, this guy, he's my peer, really my age, we've got different stories, but we're similar Mm -hmm. uh, in the way we act and behave and, and, and having successes and then failures, pulling the failures down on top of ourselves. He pulled me aside, uh, one time he's like, well, I've known you for a long time. You're a good guy. He's like, you're really desperate now. And, uh, you don't stay desperate for very long, so we're going to go do this real quick uh-huh. with the purpose of then you're going to go do it with other guys. Um, so let's run through this stuff real quick. Let's not waste any time because really the purpose of getting to this place where this is no longer a concern is so that you can share the solution with other people. It's not your solution. It's just... Here's a process. Yeah. Whatever process you want to buy into, here you go. This is my experience. And uh, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, it's that simple. Like, I'm less concerned with myself <clears throat> than really I should be. Because I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, I'm, I, I wake up in the morning. I'm thinking about me. And I'm pretty sure... When you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about me too. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that sharing uh, in our in our common weakness, mm-hmm. you know, riding that bus together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something magical about that mm-hmm. uh, when souls connect. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't have the answers to how that looks necessarily. Yeah. I'm a beginner. In yeah. this. And, and don't have to be. I mean, when none of us have to know exactly how this is going to look. Um, this has come up uh, this week, um, whether I've been working at the agency or I've been working here in my private practice. This notion and this idea of showing up, how important it is. Like, like it, I, I think, you know, in, in the book I wrote about this, um, Recovering the Seed, uh, it was like I think, I think the five step, the fifth step. Which is show up, show up, show up. And that, you know, 90% of success in life is actually showing up. And it, it's true. I mean, it really is. It's about showing up. It's about being present. And almost anything can happen. And the possibilities are maybe in some levels much greater as soon as we show up. But if we don't show up, really, there's not a lot of possibilities, right? Because we're not there. We're not there. And so, you know, something came to me when we were talking about this uh, earlier, and you had mentioned um, you had this, you had this, there was a moment you had this belief that when God was sort of manufacturing Joaquin, you know, he had put a certain ingredients together and he kind of messed up a little bit. Oh, you know, shit, oh, fuck. But, you know, well, let's just put him out there anyway. He'll figure it out on his own, you know, kind of thing, that idea. So almost as if you were predestined to fail or, yeah, or something. Yeah, predestined to fail. Yeah, yeah which, which kind of bring me, I wonder what your thoughts about this are now, this whole idea behind you know whether there's free will or not you know a lot of people still go back and forth you know especially behaviorists think that you know men don't really have or you know women don't really have free will as humans we're we're really predestined to a lot of things or or do we have agency or do do we have the ability to make choices for where we go and who we are and what we do and what we believe i mean obviously this happens within the 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 
the grounds and the and the and the, the foundation of being human and having that human experience. But is is this something that you know based upon? You know, your experience uh, is free will, you know, kind of an imaginary thing or is really are we are we are we able to choose and create our reality? So be it. Do I get to go home and study on this question? Yeah. No, no, this is spontaneous <laughs> right, right here, right now in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> study it. Um, I come back with like a discourse. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. What do I know? That's that's a great default position for me. Yeah. Um, because I, once again, I have a tendency to automatically think I know stuff. And the, the, so I can fall back on that easily and say, I don't know. And, and I really don't. I have this feeling that there must be choice. I'm making choices every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other day I walked into, uh, I was tired. I had a wonderful day skiing with my son. It was mm-hmm. awesome. You know, and I was, but I was tired. I'm old now, and that makes me tired, and I was in a bad mood. I went to this meeting, and they're pontificating. My judgment starts to seep in, and, mm-hmm. pon- and I'm like, oh, God, this guy's pontificating and all this BS, and and somebody said something about meditation, and I was like, you know what? Just listen, Joaquin. Just just mm-hmm. listen. And I listened, and and I was reminded, did you come here to get something, or did you come here to contribute something? And all of a sudden, it changed, and I, you know, I got to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't know; it feels like I, I get to, I get to make a choice every day. I can come up here to Sandy, right next to old haunts, mm-hmm. and I can make a choice. Uh, and the the more, you know, what when I when I went through treatment and I and I and I, and I read that bo- your book, mm-hmm. and there on the back of the book, there's the two wolves, right? Yeah, right, right. You know, the the joy and the good and the yeah. the, the gratitude and humility, and yeah. then envy and addiction, pride and yeah. addiction all yeah. that stuff and i heard a, a speaker share the same story but they call them you know the the, the they call them the opposing dogs is yeah, what they call right. them yeah. it's the one i feed right i make yeah, my choice the, yeah, and if make, i feed the good then i'm going to make those choices yeah. and i feed the other then i'm going to make different choices yeah right exactly and i think which I mean, is is kind of a roundabout way, if I'm, because what I'm hearing you say is that I have the ability to choose, and it does come down to that, and I believe that that's true. Again, within the human framework that we live in, within the the framework we live in, there's certain choices. Like, you know, I, I realize, you know, I'm probably not going to be an NFL quarterback. Okay, so I'm I'm just not. I don't have you know besides the the you know the build for it and. Uh, I'd be better at maybe you know another position, but the idea—I'm joking, of course, because <laughs> at 63 years old, I'm not playing professional sports, you know, unless it's you know the, the geriatric group, you know. And still, there's going to be plenty of people with a lot more talent than me. But the point being is, you know, within the realm of what I'm able to do, you know, and to be realistic and honest with myself about that. There's also this ability that I do. Can I go beyond those beliefs and create new ones which expand out the possibilities? This goes right back to this whole idea of showing up. If I'm able to show up, I'm able to make a choice to do so. So I do believe I have that power, if you want to call it, or will. And sometimes will's not even the best word for it, but that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. I have the, I have the ability to make a choice 
and to follow that and choose whether I want to show up. And also, I heard you say that I can show up and I can decide whether there's something I'm going to learn from this or I'm going to contribute or maybe possibly both. You know, do I do I can I learn from contributing because I get feedback on my contribution or do I sit and listen to others and then give feed them feedback on theirs. Right. So it, there's this symbiotic dialogue back and forth on some level, even if it's just energetic, you know, doesn't have to be. I must be choosing along the way um, it, when I make the, you know, the, when I'm feeding the dark side, mm-hmm. it's almost like I lose my choice in doing that. It feels that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I, when I'm feeding the, whatever, the light side, we just saw Star Wars, the final one. <laughs> so the, 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 you know, that side of the force, if yeah. you will, I'm feeding that side. It feels like I'm more liberated in my yeah. choice. I am more free to, to be open and free of myself and make choices that benefit myself and others. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the, 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 the force, there was a great, what a great example, you know, the star Wars, you could use the two wolves, you know, of, of the star Wars, you know, very, very beautifully, you know, your Obi-Wans and your Darth Vader's, so yeah. to speak, you know, it's good stuff. Okay. We're moving on. Um, uh, what brings you joy in life? How do you how do you experience joy? What brings you contentment? Whew. Shouldn't you have given me these questions before we no, started? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I could have, but I didn't today. Yeah. You know, I my default answers for these have been things like going skiing, surfing, mm-hmm. you know, those pleasures that I really do enjoy. Yeah. There's something that I connect with the earth and yeah, getting into nature is what I heard getting, you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. I'm not the guy. I don't want to ride a snowmobile. I don't want to be on a boat. I want to be in the, the element. element. Yeah. yeah. Be in the element. And I just, there's something. But that's not my joy. That's a pleasure. It's fleeting. It comes yeah. and goes. Um, I hope I'm not talking out of my ass here. <laughs> But well, go ahead. It's either way. It's <laughs> hey, it's your time. Yeah, hey, it's my hope. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about a wholehearted life, living by integrity, being accountable and mm-hmm. responsible, humility, gratitude, those principles. When I'm living that way, when I'm trying to give instead of take, mm-hmm. and you know, I can take in terms of learning, but I'm talking about the selfish taking, where I just take, 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 take. But I'm trying to li- give instead of take in life. That's when I find myself full of joy, where I can pause in the moment and go, this is a really special moment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. I mean, the reality is where we are right now, mm-hmm. sitting across with these microphones two inches from our faces, <laughs> this moment doesn't exist two minutes from now. Yeah. It didn't exist an hour ago, and there's something special about that. Uh, and if I can live in that, I still am fascinated with these humble people that walk <laughs> these strange aliens who are these humble people yeah. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife this is not my beautiful house you know? uh, how the hell did I get here <laughs> uh, if I can walk in those principles and when I do um, I'm just much more at peace and I'm, and I'm content with life as is yeah um and th- and that's kind of where lately I, I I would not write the screenplay the way it's being acted out right now, mm-hmm. 
but for some reason, I'm very content with it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. By the way, you answered that question completely differently than I think everyone else has. So way to go. Because <laughs> most people do do the, well, you know, yeah, I like to go surfing and skiing. And I like to get into nature. And I mean, those are some of my answers, too. But you went, you know, you went. This is, you know, feeding the, uh, stroking the ego a little bit. You went beyond. Yeah, be careful with that. Up and above the beyond. (laughs) I have to make my way out the door still. All right, we're going to move on again. So um, this one you're going to, I'm sure you're going to love. So what what are your thoughts on um, the universe, uh, life, death, God, higher power? The universe, yep. life, death, God. Um, yeah. Let's start with life and death. What what happens after you you die? What do you believe? Can I go back to I don't know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, you're t- that, that you can say that here. This is not like um, a group process. Right? I have a friend that hates it when I say I don't know. Like that's a cop out, man. Um, for me, at least at this phase of my mm-hmm. life, it is a safety. It's a safety like valve I can pull mm-hmm. and not getting carried away with my own ideas and ego. Sure. Yeah. Um, the reality is I, I have no clue. Mm-hmm. I still gravitate towards that LDS plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a God, Father, you know, we're mm-hmm. going through life and there's some kind of progression afterwards. That's about it. I like it to keep it that simple. Mm-hmm. Because uh, once I get into more complicated versions of that, mm-hmm. then I get I get all weird. Sure, I get weirded out. Yeah, because um, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But the other day, I heard someone talking about the Hindu, uh, you know, version of this of of creation, and that the and and I'll, so I have these friends. I'll back up for a minute, and we we would watch Game of Thrones together over the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, getting ready for the the final chapter and and uh they both kind of adhere to this and it was kind of funny when we were talking about it that uh we've all lived many lives which Mm -hmm. is continuing to we get to where we need to get Mm -hmm. and my friend she's like the wise one among it's like oh she's lived dozens of hundreds of lives and my other friend was like joaquin you probably only lived a few (laughs) (laughs) i that also you're still a little wet behind the ears, Joaquin. <laughs> exactly. You just keep saying some of the same mistakes over and over. Uh, that makes sense to me too. Like mm-hmm. we're just progressing, but yeah. this Hindu idea of before anything there was this intelligence that existed, this God or whatever, mm-hmm. and it decided that and there was nothing besides mm-hmm. that. It broke itself up into all these little pieces that are us, and the, you know. I don't know what happens after life, but the all these individual pieces are are God, if you will, and um, they're but they've forgotten. He made the story up where they are all part of the same, but they've forgotten who they are, hmm. uh, and now everyone's journey is to discover. I don't know why I'm mentioning this. It just man it stood out to me the other day. We're all discovering who we really are. Mm-hmm. And that we're all the same, we're all connected, mm-hmm. we're all part of the same, and and the and I don't even know what the Hindus call it. Maybe it's Nirvana. I don't even know. I'm not that educated, but that's getting to that place of I'm God. I it's it it lives within me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm connected to you. You and I are the same. I guess it goes back to 
I'm just another bozo on the bus. Yeah. And that's not a negative connotation. No, it's not. It's actually um, a, supposed to be very positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I love it. As a matter of fact, I brought it. I brought the picture. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So uh, life and death, I don't know what happens, really. Uh, my guess, there's probably some kind mm-hmm. of progression. Maybe it's all over. Yeah. Um, you know, Ram Dass said, uh, you know, Ram Dass died this week. And, that's right. Yeah. And he had that, I think, one of his most popular sayings, which has somewhat gotten some, some, probably some roots in Hinduism, is this idea that we're, we're just all here to walk each other home. Mm, I like that. I like that a yeah, lot. Yeah. Holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just here walking with each other home. So. It's kind of a different way to look at like it. Like in a Christmas story where they're like all bundled up. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be careful. You're gonna, you can't have that. You're going to shoot your eye out with it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, let's, let's finish these questions with the one about God or higher power or the universe. What, what are your thoughts about that? My thoughts are really I don't understand the details Mm-hmm. of a higher power of God. Um, I remember that I used to think that I knew all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what the details are now, but I do get, I, I, I have witnessed, I mean, my peanut butter story, six weeks, eight weeks after that, I was in treatment listening to knew the news and on the news came on this story about a guy who had trespassed just like i'd had uh-huh. into someone's garage and was shot and killed yep how did it and i'm now better no different but how did i end up in a place where a guy says do you want to ride home and on the ride home i asked him because i started to get lucid i asked him you had a lot of choices back there in your place uh-huh. why this one why give me a ride home right why mm-hmm. this one and he turns to me i still don't know who this guy is mm-hmm. to this day he turns to me and says, because this is how I choose to live my life. I don't know the answer to the details of the higher power, but I see something working all over the place. Yeah. Um, all over, when I allow myself to be quiet and listen mm-hmm. and observe, mm-hmm. I see something weaving its way in and out yeah. of our lives. I like that. I, mean, you, I like the way you put that. That was well that was great because that's more of what I think of when I think of spirit that, you know, that that's how he wants to live. He wants to live the life like that where he shows up in that way. Showing up. Yeah. yeah. That's so, that's, that's a powerful way that story. to, to yeah, Going back to your question about choice. Yeah. Boy, that feels like choice right there. He made a choice. He did. Of course he did. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. All right. Okay, let's move on to the last question. And that way I told this is the one I did tell you I was going to ask about music. Oh, you know, yeah. About songs. Um, if there are a couple songs that you have that have, you know, meaning for you, um, uh, I think I said, you know, if it was like a life celebration, what would the, what songs maybe played at that? Or just when you look back on your life, songs that maybe have some kind of meaning that have, have been inspirational to you or. Been, been important in some way. <laughs> I had never thought of music being played for me after my life. I always thought it's going to die broke and alone and, you know, it's going to be shameful. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> never a celebration. Um, I don't think that way anymore. 
Um, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but there's certain songs, and I, I, I love music. I'm not, a, I'm not musically talented, uh, but music moves me. And uh, this is an old one, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Under the Bridge. Hmm. Um, the the lyrics in itself just you know under the bridge you know I gave my life away I'm someone who's given my life away over and over and over again mm-hmm. um, that feeling of being lost in this city you know right. but, but finding the answer that's one of those but actually but under la- the bridge the, the there's so many in, in amazing you know analogies and, and, and sort of stories that can be written about that because they're you know it's strong it's, it's and strong. it's i love music that Has takes me on a journey under a bridge if it takes know? me on under through a journey i i love the the visceral experience of the feeling all of the emotions and lately i've been drawing which is something that i hadn't done for a long time and um so in doing that usually i will put on I, a song will inspire an image for me in my mind mm-hmm. and then i draw that and oftentimes I'll draw the image while playing that song on repeat just over and over again. I, I like the experience. I did that with uh-huh. uh, an image of myself that I ac- took an accidental selfie. I don't even know if that's true. I don't know if I was, I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. But I took a picture of myself and then later I was like, oh my God, I look like I'm dead. Um, and it, that crawling song with Lincoln, by Linkin Park, uh-huh. it just... I drew a picture of that image that I'd taken of myself. Interesting. Um, with the lyrics, yeah. the lyrics that made sense to me. Yeah. Um, Joan Osborne's, which I think is super salient to you know <laughs> this. Uh, I'm drawing a picture around that one of us. Yeah. Um, which is the outro to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there's there's one I've been listening to lately. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and these are not just the play this for my life. There's just things that are touching me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jules, who will save your soul? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a. I actually, because you asked me that question, I was like, what are the lyrics? Because I started drawing a picture to this, um, and it's. Uh, it it really has to do with this choice thing. So the picture is. Hopefully, it turns out. Half the time, I don't know if any of this stuff is going to turn out. Like a, like a cartoon picture of the devil, juxtaposed with a Norman Rockwell image of a guide bargaining with the devil. Fascinating. Um, I like it. Um, so there, there's these lyrics there. Uh, it starts out, you got social security, but it doesn't pay your bills. There are addictions to feed and there are mouths to pay. I just love that line. Yeah. Um, so we bargain with the devil. And I don't know what the real lyrics are. It's different every time as I've looked them up. So we bargain with the devil but we're okay for today or he won't pay for today. I don't know what the real lyrics are, but uh, right now that one just, for whatever reason, it just keeps hitting me over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how many times have I bargained with the devil? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it has not really paid. <laughs> <laughs> he won't pay for today. Like, I'm still trying, you know, I'm still trying. But uh, uh, anyways, that's, that's a song that came to my head. Okay. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. Joaquin, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming and spending the afternoon 
here. I, I, you'll probably be surprised that uh, we're uh, about an hour and 40 minutes in, so. <laughs> I, 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 I can talk. You, yeah. <laughs> well, you have a good story to tell. Thank you for coming and sharing your story today. Um, we, uh, I know the listeners are enjoying hearing your journey. Uh, I know I, I do, and uh, it's been really an honor knowing you. Um, we, uh, we'll, I'll be back in a couple weeks, um, and uh, I don't know exactly who's going to be on the show, but uh, uh, look for the next episode, number 70. This is Joaquin's episode number 69. <laughs> we will go out as we usually and always do with a little Joan Osborne. Talk to you soon. Bye.